0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Summertime Fun Time guest bailiff Monty Belmonte from WRSI 93.9 The River in Northampton, Massachusetts. One last time, I guess. It's the it's the last day of summer. And yes, that was a Hamilton reference.
1: Yes, indeed, Monty. This is uh, this is uh, September 21st broadcast date recording date September 2nd. It is indeed almost the end of Summertime Fun Time, as is the very last episode this year of the Judge John Hodgman podcast that I will be recording here in WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill with uh, some summertime, summertime intense guest engineer, Joel Mann. Hi, Joel. Hi, John. Oh, my God. Joel, Wow, to clear your throat. And we are clearing the docket. Blind justice style. Yeah, blind justice style because... My internet is so compromised up here that I did not even see this thing until I got to WERU, and I haven't had time to read it. And Monty also just received the docket, so we don't know what the cases are. And so we're going to be, we're waiting in. I've not even had a chance to even think about any of these. It's going to be blind justice, it's going to be snap judgment, and it's just going to be freestyle, end of summertime fling, blowout. Love it. And Joel, you're going to weigh in too. Okay, I'm ready.
0: All right. Patrick writes, It is the summer and very humid in Kansas City, so I frequently walk around my second-story apartment in no clothing to be more comfortable. My wife, Paige, frequently becomes upset due to lights being on and curtains slightly open, which she says makes it so neighbors who may be walking their dogs see me as I live more comfortably. I believe that due to the fact that I live on a second-story Any person who sees me has to make an active choice to look into my windows and should not be surprised to see a person exposing privates in their private home. Should my wife stop asking me to put on clothes when it's so hot and sticky? Or should I be more considerate of any possible passersby slash peeping toms?
1: All right. Summertime fun time guest bailiff Monty Belmonte. I have an opinion on this. What is your opinion?
0: Go. I think I um, hate nudity. And I fear my own nudity, probably because my mother referred to nudity as shamey all growing up. So my vote is uh, is like a oh. never nude from Arrested Development. And uh, yes, don't be nude in front of your windows. Although I appreciate other nude people.
1: <laughs> well, sure. I mean, maybe
0: you should go to Kansas City and appreciate this dude. Yes, I will. Your mother called it shamey? Shamey. And it didn't even dawn on me until I was in my 20s. She called nudity shamey? Nudity was referred to as shamey. Oh, it's they're running around shamey. Catholic, you know. Mm, well, Yeah, I do know. My my family's Catholic. I never <laughs> heard that. I mean, we
1: weren't, we weren't a bunch of free lover nudists or nothing.
0: But still. Anytime that you can guilt somebody, I just think that that, that goes along with the territory of growing up Catholic in Boston.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. We, we've we lived parallel lives in a lot of ways, but not in That's that true. one. I mean, I, we never use the term shamey. Let me put it that way nor did we walk around in the nude in our home. But then again, I never grew up in Kansas City, where I have heard things are up-to-date and awfully hot. It gets hot in Kansas City. I was there. I was there for the Big Slick a charity event that Paul Rudd and Rob Riggle and Jason Sudeikis run every year and raise a lot of money for the uh, children's hospital there. It's a lot of fun. And that was in June, and that was plenty hot. And I'll tell you something. Uh, I wouldn't have minded a nude event. I think this guy should be allowed to... The guy should be allowed to do what he wants in his home. He shouldn't be walking out onto the sidewalk this way or going out and getting the paper or what have you. That's a thing that we used to have, papers being delivered to your door. But if he's in an upstairs and wants to walk around in the nude, whether that is to beat the heat or have some excitement in his life or just walk from the shower to his bedroom, it's none of, it's none of anyone's business what they see. If they're looking into windows, they take their chances. They might see some stuff. So don't look in people's windows is my, is the way I take it. And I'm sorry that his wife doesn't like his nude body. It's a little weird walking around in the full nude, not even in underwear. I don't even see how that, to me, that seems hotter and stickier than anything else. But (laughs) I'm not going to begrudge a guy's habit. So I take the opposite position. And though I am usually the arbiter of right and wrong on this podcast, because it's the last time I'm going to see you for a while, Joel, I'm going to throw this to you. Who's right, me or Monty? I have
2: to go with Monty. It's it's yes. his wife who doesn't like it. His wife doesn't like it. he's got to respect his wife's wishes.
1: Wife doesn't like his shamey. Sorry he about that, Kansas shamey. City.
2: Patrick. Yeah, put shamey. on a rope
1: put on a robe. Well, it's all right. Joel Joel ruled on that one.
0: <laughs> Joel rules.
1: Joel all right. Let's move on to the next one. I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna read I never get to read these, so I'm gonna read this yeah, one to you and again. This is totally blind. I've never I don't even know what this is. Mike writes, what is the proper order of operations for sports fandom and how does it apply to the legal precedent of liking what one likes? Oh my God, hmm. there's a big wall of text. <laughs> Let's see if we can get through it. Each year, my sports fan, obviously. You like sports, Joel? Sort of. Yeah, that's right. Joe Bird and the field hippies. <laughs> what, what league did they play in? American. American. Yeah. American. uh, was it the, Amer- the American Mind Altering League?
2: Their first album was "United States of America."
1: United, all right. Mm-hmm, hmm. good. They were a good. They were a good team. Each year, my wife and I alternate enjoying the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. All right, you know what you get here. I am going to, Mike, listen to me. First of all, I know that it sounds like I say a lot of words, and probably I do when I don't need to say as many as I should. I am up here in the land of E.B. White, and that sentence was terrible. What I just said <laughs> was terrible. It was, don't use too many words. Just because I get away with it doesn't mean you should do it. Each year, my wife and I alternate enjoying Thanksgiving at either our home in Iowa City, Iowa, great town, or my mother's home in Lincoln, Nebraska, terrible town. Sorry, Lincoln. Never been. Where we also uh, are also able to attend the now annual, or you should say, where we also attend the now annual football game between the University of Nebraska, and the University of Iowa. My father-in-law is a devoted Oklahoma fan. Uh, uh, He recently moved to Des Moines, and we are happy to have him and his wife join us in the fall. He's already made it clear that as a new resident in Iowa, he'll be cheering for the home team at the game instead of deferring to his hosts. And I can't understand any of this. What? I think I get it. What is it? What is so, he? his father in law so, is coming Mike, over
0: and he's going to root for the home team instead of the team that um, he rooted for all along?
1: It's either that or the opposite. He's going to vote. He's coming to Iowa and he's going to root for Iowa or he's going to root for Nebraska.
0: He's going to root for Iowa, even though his son in law's favorite team is Nebraska. Got it. Because Iowa's a home team.
1: I seek a clarification. There's no wonder Jesse Thorne does this and not me. I seek a clarification to the J.J. Ho internet legal precedent that one likes what he or she likes. Does one who likes what he likes simply because it is in direct contrast with what another likes get to lord that like over the other person? Or is that just being a doofus? Mm -hmm. In a practical sense. Oh, this this is a relief. I seek an order that my father-in-law must wear Nebraska colors and cheer for my team. Or remain neutral in both dress and signs of support as he doesn't really have any skin in the game, as it were. In fact, the order of operations for sports fandom would suggest that he cheer for Nebraska whenever they're not competing against his beloved Oklahoma Sooners. What? Uh, I don't care what you think, Mike. Let your father in law do whatever he wants. <laughs> if you want root real like Nebraska. Like. Yeah. People like what they like. And what you're asking me is like, it seems like he's liking what he likes just to get under my skin. Maybe he likes that. Maybe that's what he likes. So I'm going to let him like it because, frankly, you got under my skin. and I'm looking for a little weird father-in-law revenge. So go Nebraska. No, go Iowa. Go Iowa. Go Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes, right? Iowa City is Hawkeyes. I
0: yeah. guess so. I don't college not sports it. at all. Okay, Monty, do you take a different position? Nope. Same position. That's the correct position, I believe. Okay.
1: Joel? Let him root for whoever he
2: wants to root for. Yeah. I mean,
1: really.
0: This is literally a tribunal, and we all say, you're wrong, Mike. I'm a Red Sox fan, and if I, if I went to New York City because my son-in-law or somebody I loved lived there, I would not wear Yankees. You could not pay me, well, if I was in a film or something, maybe, to wear Yankees paraphernalia. I just don't do it, no matter where I go.
1: Right, but that, that because I like what I like, case. no matter who
0: the other person is.
1: Yeah, yeah. you were just you're just stumping for the Red Sox. There's nothing. There's not even a parallel to this. This sure dude's going is. to Iowa City and rooting and rooting for Iowa City.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah, thought that number. I thought that Iowa the opposite was his home team. That's right. He's doing the opposite. Okay, no, forget it then. No, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I don't it, even know what I think it anymore. It was confused.
1: It was confusing because I read it bad and Mike wrote it bad. We both, both sides are to blame. <laughs> we both have got to read our Strunk and White. Go ahead. You read the next one, Monty.
0: Josh writes, A colleague accused me of stealing mustard out of the break room refrigerator at work. While I did not purchase the mustard, I submit that condiments, especially inexpensive ones in large containers, are fair game in a communal fridge. Anything that dispenses from a spout is meant to be shared. Am I right?
1: Well... Monty, I have an opinion, and that, and that is, how does Josh know that the person who bought the mustard isn't using that spout to squirt it directly into their mouth?
0: Maybe they're using that as
1: a must as a mustard nipple. <laughs> In which case, that would not be a shareable item. But I would say, generally speaking, you, you start saying that you can't use my mustard. You, you might as well be saying that was my salt packet from the takeout place. And I think you can tell by my simpering voice that I have no sympathy for the character I was just inhabiting. So I think Josh is wrong and the colleague... No. So I think Josh is right and the colleague is wrong. Monty, what do you think?
0: I think stealing all condiments is fair game and sometimes I even take a little cup and steal mouthwash out of the bathroom that somebody buys all the time and I don't even know who.
1: Yeah, now if you get mustard and it's your special mustard... And you put a piece of masking tape on it and say, this is mine. Grape Poupon. Monty.
0: Monty's. Yeah.
1: Right. This is Monty's Great Poupon. And Monty's personal mustard nipple. Then it's a different story. Right. But this is not the situation. If you Joel, want to, to borrow that one, you
0: have to say, pardon me, do you have any grape Poupon? And then I would say, yes, please <laughs> have some from my mustard nipple, which I feel shamey about showing you right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, Joel, what's the what's the protocol here at the W E R U uh, communal
2: fridge? Here at community radio, um, there's we see it both ways. <laughs> we have our own individual products, right? But then we do share the big bottle of ketchup, yeah. But this is a the free, peanut butter. This
1: is a freeform community radio station. I thought none of you believed in property.
2: Uh, well, we have had deep discussions about that, but the, the reality is that we do have our own personal property, and, the, and and we don't want to share it. Don't mess with my yogurt.
0: No.
1: Well no, yo- no. yeah, yogurt. Anything
0: is th- you want some peanut butter? Go for it. Right. Even peanut butter is different, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who buys the peanut butter? The community. The community. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has to tithe. <laughs>
0: Let's Punch do a fun drive for uh-huh. ERU peanut butter right now. If you call W E R U right now, you can buy the chunk the skippy slash uh, chunky nutty. Yeah, what is peanut the peanut butter for? you
2: No, he's Monty your way off. It's organic no sugar and you have to you have to get a shovel to get
1: it out chunky or smooth smooth yeah, yeah well you're welcome to it i'm not going to have yeah, any no. of that i like chunky what were you saying about peanut butter monty we could do a fund drive for
0: WERU's peanut butter fund yeah but you said that peanut butter was different somehow oh i don't i think it is unless it's mar, clearly marked as communal peanut butter like yogurt i think it stands in a different category i don't view peanut butter as a condiment i think that it yeah. ketchup and mustard it's uh, there's no peanut butter nipple
1: i think it's on the line you have to understand i mean you look you you live in northampton so it's pretty crunchy down there Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: the number of vegans who are up here they may need that protein right away maybe an emergency situation but there is an understanding here in in the studios of weru that peanut butter is go for it land and yogurt is i can't believe it's not disgusting i can't i can't believe it's this <laughs> disgusting you can keep it i don't want it <clears throat> yogurt greek yogurt or or reg
0: greek greek Well, oh, that's pretty good yeah i'd like it too we have a communal sharing food place so
1: it says here monty throw to break but i guess what i'm gonna do it because this is upside down land on the judge john hodgman Ooh. podcast we'll have more items from the docket plus listener letters on cincinnati style chili after the break you're listening to judge john hodgman i'm bailiff jesse thorne of course the judge john hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. thanks to everybody who's gone to maximumfunorg slash join and you can join them by going to maximumfunorg slash join I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one.
0: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
2: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your
1: podcast app.
0: And at MaximumFun.org.
1: We're back with the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I am Judge John Hodgman. We're clearing the docket in a topsy-turvy sort of way today, blind justice, having not read a single word of any of the cases that were submitted. We're just getting them blind and we're judging them. It's not just me. It's also fun time, summertime guest bailiff Monty Belmonti and uh, gravelly-voiced guest engineer Joel Mann here at WERU. Monty, of course, is down at WRSI, the river in Northampton, Massachusetts. WERU is in Blue Hill, Maine. WERU.org or wrsi.com.
0: all of our condiments are purchased by our advertisers
1: exactly so and if you want to check out these fine radio stations and donate to their respective peanut butter funds i highly encourage it meanwhile we're moving on who read the last one i did you did yeah you got the easy one about mustard i got the Mm -hmm. weird one about sports let's see (laughs) let's see who wins this one emily writes oh here's another five paragraph one What, what what's going on you're getting all the good ones I am bringing this case against my husband of 12 years, Justin. Justin's way of chewing gum seems wrong to me. Right off the bat, this is the best case we've ever heard. Joel, (laughs) mark it in the book. Is it marked? Marked. All right. Monty, mark it in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts book. Marked. Marked both in Maine and Massachusetts. Best, Best case ever. I usually keep gum in my purse. And oftentimes when we are driving somewhere, he'll ask me for a piece. He unwraps it chews it for approximately 30 seconds, and then spits the gum out the car window. I have a few issues with this. One, it seems wasteful of the gum to chew it for such... A, well, it's not wasteful of the gum, it's wasteful of your husband, but... It seems wasteful to chew the gum for such a short time. Two, spitting gum out into the environment feels like littering, because it is, since gum doesn't break down quickly and is not native to the habitat outside the car. Justin may also argue that something as small as gum barely impacts the environment until she spits it. Additionally, he will say that the gum has lost its flavor after 30 seconds and has done its purpose of freshening his breath, so there is no point in continuing to chew it. I am seeking an injunction. I want Justin to no longer spit his gum at the car window. I would also like the judge to order him to supply his own gum if he wishes to continue to chew it in this manner, and for the judge to encourage him to chew it for longer than 30 seconds at a time. Monty Belmonte, I have an
0: opinion on this. What is yours? She must be buying terrible gum if it's losing its flavor literally in 30 seconds, like, you know, the bazooka, the, the little comic book in there. That Those are the only kind of gum that I've ever encountered that really in almost 30 seconds actually loses the flavor. That being said, you should chew the gum until the flavor is gone and then properly dispose of it. You can't, as she mentioned, throw it out the window because it is not native to that environment and does not break down. So I would uh, issue that injunction if I were a judge and not a bailiff.
1: Right. I don't. Know, I know that you are a dot-com down there. You are a commercial radio station. That's right. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know what you get for talking about bazooka bubblegum on my podcast. That's who pays for the peanut butter.
0: <laughs> I can openly trash their, uh, their lack of flavor, but they still pay the bills. Well, since the door is open to this, I
1: haven't had bazooka in a long time. I don't like bubblegum. I'll tell you one I don't like. And this is sad because it was my mom's gum. It's Trident cannot—that goes away after thir- that. That little nugget they give you, that little mm-hmm. little nugget, uh, like you know, it's not even a cheek clay. Tiny it's little like rectangle. A, it's a tiny little rectangle. You barely have anything to chew in that thing. And yeah, it's done for me. Thirty seconds. Nine out of ten dentists love it. I'm not saying it's—you know—people like what they like and they chew what they chew. But I'm a dentine ice guy. Big blast of menthol, all in my mouth. And I'll chew it. I don't know. I'm not timing it because I'm not someone's hyperattentive wife. I'll chew it until I'm done with it, and then I will appropriately dispose of it or swallow it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't go that way.
0: I do. I swallow it. Swallow? I, just don't, I don't. Be- I don't believe in the old tale that it's going to stay in your system for a hundred years or whatever it is.
1: Oh, uh, really?
0: Yeah. All right. I swallowed. Fired. Watermelon Forget seeds, it. everything.
1: Never mind. End of friendship.
0: Okay. All done. Watermelon seeds? Yeah, why not? Oh. Uh, all that stuff's good for you, right, just... Joel? Hippies know this.
2: Watermelon seeds are good for you, but I I, I don't think uh, chewing gum, I think it's disgusting. Yeah, Chewing all you, gum? All gum. Yeah, it's tacky. Stop it. Are you... If, if you want to freshen your breath, have a mint.
1: Well, okay, so... Are you recusing yourself? Do- <laughs> yes, I'm highly biased. Right. Yes. I, I but see, here's the thing I though. Have to step aside. Here's the thing. I think you're right. I don't like hearing people's mouths when they're chewing gum or watching them. I don't like watching them. And it's very rare that I will chew gum. And I will chew gum uh, when I wish to freshen my breath, which is uh, an unusual circumstance because I do a crazy thing. I brush my teeth. I'm fine. And so when I chew gum, I'm essentially using it as a mint. And therefore, I will not chew it all day long. Uh, I will chew it like this dude chews it for a few, you know, for as long as it takes to get that gunky taste out of my mouth. And then I will get rid of it responsibly. So unfortunately for you, Emily, you are wrong. All three of the uh, justices on this tribunal agree. Your husband is enjoying the gum the way he wishes to enjoy the gum, And you as a gum chewer, an extended period gum chewer, are uh, grossing us out, to be honest. But you can chew the way you want to chew, and he can chew the way he wants to chew. You are right in that he cannot throw it out the window. That is terrible. Stop doing that, dude. And if you don't feel like you want to share your precious gum, maybe you've got some expensive gum that you really love to savor while you munch and moisten it. Then you're okay, it's OK to refuse him gum when he asks and tell him to get his own. Maybe he should just get some of those strips, those, those, uh, those mouthwash strips that you put on your oh, yeah. tongue that look like future food. that's probably the best thing for him. Get some of those in the car, and next time he opens his mouth to ask for gum, shove one of those in his mouth. then he can't
0: even spit it out the window because it just dissolves.
1: Yeah, that's right. That solves the chewing and the spitting. And the breath. We're just constantly solving mouth problems here
0: at the Judge John Hodgson podcast. (laughs) All right, you get this one. Kristen. Kristen writes, I'm writing to ask you to settle a disagreement between myself and my friend and co-worker Alicia. Our office provides multiple subpar hot beverages for employee, quote unquote, enjoyment, including coffee, tea and packets of instant hot chocolate. Our dispute pertains to the hot chocolate. Our office purchases a certain national brand of hot chocolate endorsed by an adorable blonde girl living in the Alps, but not to be too generous, they only provide the, quote, no sugar added kind of the brand. I say that this is a fine way to describe the hot chocolate, that the national brand is being upfront; they are adding no additional sugar to their already sugared cocoa mix. Alicia, however, argues that this labeling is incorrect because sugar was already added to the cocoa powder, which does not have sugar in it naturally. While a seemingly simple and benign debate, our argument escalated quickly, and cocoa is now the official off-limits topic in an otherwise excellent friendship. Please, Judge Hodgman, end this debate so we may continue our near-perfect friendship in peace. Is a no-sugar-added hot cocoa label inherently wrong, and/or misleading? Monty, I have an opinion on this. Do you? Yes. I'd like to hear it. Intentionally misleading, although under the I guess the letter of the law. Perhaps not wrong, but I am not a fan of misleading labeling.
1: Right. This is clearly a, a case where this uh, corporate cocoa product is trying to trick people into thinking that it is somehow better for them when in fact it is just all
0: powdered garbage anyway. Correct? I agree. It's like when it says natural flavors on it and it's a raspberry product, it's most likely that it is a flavor expelled from a beaver's anus, not actually a raspberry. But it says natural most flavor. And I think
1: that's, I agree with you. That's most, most likely. You're right. That's, Look it up.
0: Look it up. <laughs> I, I've read Look articles about, especially the raspberry flavor. Beware. If it says natural flavors, beaver anus.
1: That's not something you just pulled out of your beaver anus? Nope. Yeah, I read my Michael Pollan, I read my Fast Food Nation, and the, and the difference between artificial and natural, quote unquote, natural flavors. Yeah, labeling can be misleading, right? Organic is a federally regulated term now um, that does not necessarily mean that the food you're eating is most virtuous, or raised near you, or not shipped to you uh, by plane or other carbon emitting thing. Uh, It does not mean that that animal was happy, necessarily, or raised in pasture. It just means that certain check marks regarding antibiotic use were not used in the raising of that animal or that crop or what have you. Similarly, no sugar added is a way of tricking you into thinking that somehow this packet of processed uh, cocoa dust is, uh, is somehow okay for you compared to the same packet from the same company. Your friendship would be... I agree with you, Monty, but I I take this to another level. Your friendship is not being bedeviled by misleading labels, but the fact that you're drinking garbage cocoa. Stop Mm -hmm. that. Right? I mean, hot chocolate is, first of all, should be a rare treat in one's life. Why? If you're drinking hot chocolate every day, then you're a baby, and you shouldn't do it. If you're a grown-up, you should only drink hot chocolate from time to time. And that thing that you drink from time to time should be the greatest hot chocolate that should pass your lips because it's a treat. It should not be an easily made powdered chemical stew that doesn't even taste like proper chocolate. Take the time to make good. I like, uh, I I don't know if they still make it because there's been some Cadbury's labeling issues, but Cadbury's drinking chocolate. That's just chocolate that has been shaved such that you can put it in hot milk and it becomes a delicious thing. Mm. In this day and age, if you're still, and I'm going to name it, Swiss Miss, if you're drinking that Swiss Miss, there's so many high-end hot chocolate. Hot chocolate is one of the ways small f- foodie stores are most likely to steal your money. They want, they, there's so much fancy hot chocolate out there. And to quote the, the wonderful Retta, parks and recreation treat yourself. do not you would argue less and enjoy life more joel labels are
2: always wrong i mean look at it on, on the beer they say you can't operate heavy equipment
1: oh boy that that it's has never like been it. a problem <laughs> i thought we were i thought we were going down in alex jones main conspiracy theory bent gum- instead we're just going a much more mainstream so to speak main uh, uh alcoholism bent <laughs> they're gum chewing chocolate drinking young people yes that's who right. don't
2: really know what's going on in the world labels you can't read a label labels mm-hmm. are misleading just like politics
1: just just whatever it, don't look at the label whatever it is just put it in your mouth well huh. well we know they're not telling you the truth right right Invest in your, in your own hot chocolate. Kristen is right, and Alicia is wrong. It is misleading, and is also
0: disgusting. I also looked up the beaver anus thing, and um, the beaver oh, anus thanks. thing, cas- it's called castorium and it is used mm-hmm. as a food additive, but Snopes lists it as mostly false and that it's mostly used in the fragrance industry now, as opposed oh, to okay. um, the food industry, but it is true that it has been used in the past. As a flavoring. As a raspberry flavoring. So if you see,
1: if you're in the break room at WERU 89.9 Blue Hill or WRSI 93.9 The River and you see a big, uh, a big bottle that's labeled Castorium, don't even read the label. Just go ahead and drink it. Drink it. Because lab- all labels are lies.
0: Tastes like raspberry. Joel.
1: Yeah. All right. Finally... Here is a letter we received from Zach regarding a recent topic on this show, Cincinnati-style chili. Are you familiar with this, Joel? Never heard of it. All right. Cincinnati has a weird weird ideas about the service of chili. Specifically, uh, that it should be served not over rice, but over spaghetti. Spaghetti. There are two main purveyors of this type of chili. Skyline chili and Gold Star chili. This is the letter, by the way. Zach writing. Continuing as Zach. The general consensus is that Skyline provides a superior product and is generally favored throughout the city and region. The staples of Cincinnati chili are the conies and the ways. Cheese conies are small boiled hot dogs on a steamed bun. Mustard and onions are added, followed by Cincinnati style chili, which is typically heavy on cinnamon and the meat within is ground very fine. And then it is topped with a mound of finely shredded mild cheddar cheese. So, Joel, I, I misled you there because there was no spaghetti in there. In the, in the Midwest, a coney refers to a, a hot dog that is served drenched in, in chili. And you eat it with a—you don't eat it as a—well, listen to what I almost said. You don't eat it in the style of a sandwich. It's never that I said there was no similarity between a hot dog and a sandwich. I was saying a hot dog is its own thing and, and and never more its own thing than when it is uh, served in Cincinnati under a gallon of cinnamon chili. But here's the other part. This now we're getting back to what I was talking about. Other ways are as follows. A three way chili is spaghetti, chili and amount of cheese. Four way includes either onion or beans under the cheese And a five-way Cincinnati chili includes both onion and beans under the cheese. Typically, diners are provided with a small bowl of oyster crackers before their orders arrive. Many people put hot sauce on the oyster crackers. (laughs) Hmm.
2: (laughs) Pretty complicated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, wow. By the time you hear this, I will have already appeared with my good friend Sarah Vowell uh, in Toledo, Ohio, where we did a joint appearance there that I am sure was great. Um, I love Ohio. I've never been to Cincinnati, but I've been to Ohio many times. Love it. Great state. Wonderful state. One of the great, great, great states. But that's, like, you guys must be bored out of your minds you're putting hot sauce on oyster crackers. I love it. Fantastic. A typical order might sound like this. Small four-way onion, two cheese conies, no mustard. End quote. Hope this clears things up, says Zach. It just... I actually posed more questions and introduced yeah. more mysteries. And uh, if, if, I, uh, if I'm able to do some investigation further into this, I'll let you know. Hot sauce on crackers is not only, not only a really almost baroque thing to do when you're already eating chili on top of spaghetti, but it's a great expression. Hot sauce on crackers. That's a great <laughs> expression.
2: I was eating all natural potato chips. Oh, you were? All natural. Label. All natural. Right. And and the waitress wanted to know if I wanted any dipping sauce for my chips. I thought that was kind of Where? odd. Right here in Maine, in in Brewer.
1: Oh well, things are different in Brewer. <laughs> yes, <they are. laughs>
2: Everything everything's legal in Brewer. But do you want to dip your potato chips in, in something? It's like, what?
1: Monty, you ever dip your potato chips in a dip, like any kind of dip? Well, yeah, sour cream and onion dip. That's about it, yeah. Right. But this was she had a, all kinds of other things. What kinds of other things? Are you buzz marketing some diner and brewery? Because I'm going to go.
2: <laughs> it was almost like salad dressing, you know, some ranch salad dressing
1: or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's delicious. Yeah. Honey um, mustard? No. Should, no.
0: no. Go to the diner and order small four-way onion, two cheese conies, no mustard, and see what they do. <laughs> and then put hot sauce on whatever they bring to the table.
1: No, I'm not going to do that in Maine, Monty. It's my last, one of my last days in Maine. <clears throat> And I'm going to go to the Blue Hill Fair and I'm going to eat a non-sandwich called a hot dog. A Coney sandwich. No. What else? Joel, last- Bianca
2: sausage. If you can get one of those at the fair, you now you're buzz
1: that. Now you're buzz marketing. Uh, Bianca sausage was a big local sausage <sighs> maker. They make great sausages. And they make, a, they make a sausage that I think you would enjoy, Monty, having grown up in New England. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called Chinese sausage, and the flavor, it is the flavor of those bright red spare ribs you used to get in suburban <sighs> Chinese restaurants in outside of Boston. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yes, I love that stuff.
1: It's that, it's really, and and I'm making no comment whatsoever on the geographical or cultural accuracy or appropriateness of calling it Chinese sausage, but it is truly something that I have never had in my mouth before that I find delicious. And it just reminded me of one thing. I was trying to think of what the weirdest Maine uh, culinary thing that I've encountered. What would that be? And I'll give you a hint, Joel. Okay. Is it off the road? You, it's you mean literally off the, <laughs> yeah. the porcupines off the right. road roadkill? Is it a piece of gum off the road? You right. Know, a piece of gum and some porcupine. That's a good lunch. No, but anyone who lives in Maine who has eaten this, Staple of gas station cuisine should never make fun of Cincinnati five way chili. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, Monty. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? You can't get. I'm assuming it's
0: not fresh bananas here.
1: It's not fresh bananas.
0: Which is it's unique to Maine.
1: Uh, It's I've only seen it in Maine, though my uh, internet research suggests that it is a New England regional thing.
2: No idea, no idea.
1: I'll, and and I remembered it in the context. Give us a hint of Chinese sausage. Yeah, that's right. Now you now you know who the real judge is here. These two guys came into my tribunal silenced. Chop suey, oh. chop suey. Yeah,
2: never. Do you know? Never.
1: I'm not talking about American Chinese food. I'm talking about chili mac it's 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 basically well here's here's what the wikipedia says american chop suey is an american pasta dish popular in new england despite its name it has only a very distant relation to chinese and american chinese cuisine it consists of elbow macaroni and bits of ground beef with sauteed onion and green peppers in a thick tomato based sauce you got any gum <laughs> i know no. you want you to want to okay. freshen your breath after that <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen this. Where did I you have down, it? I, the Eggamagan Reach, uh, uh, the Eggamagan uh, Country yeah, Store. Yeah, yeah. They had a big sign out front. Chop suey. I went in expecting to see some sort of like Americanized Chinese food, but it was a, it was like Italian food. It was I think it was shells in this case, with a, with a like a bolognese ragu sauce on it, and bell peppers. And I've since seen it two or three other times. Chop suey.
0: We used to have it on our school lunch menu all the time and I was never get right. that that time that it's just the grossest. I, I can't stand American chop suey.
1: But no. do you recognize it now? Was it a toma- was it tomato sauce on shells or you know pasta?
0: Well, I know what American chop suey is, but I would not think of that as roadside food in Maine. No.
1: Well, no, it's like cafeteria food. I think it is food. gross
0: school lunch food, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what roadside food in Maine is
0: often too. No <laughs> uh-huh, offense. Right. Friday's pizza day in Maine.
1: I could talk about the casting in. I, I, I feel sorry for the editor who's going to have to make sense of all of this. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> Ch- American Maine roadside chop suey is the Cincinnati five-way chili of the Northeast. That is my ruling. Judge John Hodgman rules on this docket and all of it. And now we have to talk about what's coming up. Today is the last day of summer. I say farewell gratefully to Joel Mann. I hope to see you next summer.
2: I surely hope so. It'll be very, uh, very sad to see you go, John.
1: Well, that's all right. But uh, and and by the time this airs, I will have seen you laying down bass at the Port City Music Hall at the Judge John Hodgman live show, which is at this point in the future. But by the time this airs in the past, didn't we have a great time, Joel? We did. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you so
2: much for inviting me. And uh, I just can't thank you enough.
1: But still in the future, the real future that we all share. Currently, our shows in London are selling really, really quickly. This is part of the London Podcast Festival. In fact, as of yesterday, I learned that we only had 15 tickets left to the Saturday show. I don't know what's going on with the Sunday show. By now, Saturday may be sold out. But I do hope that you will go to johnhodgman.com tour and check out the tickets for those shows by following the links or going to maximumfund.org and check out the event sidebar. What's more, other Maximum Fun shows are also going to be there, including Bullseye, International Waters, and the Beef and Dairy Network. So please, once again, go to johnhodgman.com slash tour or the event sidebar at maximumfun.org for tickets to all of these great shows in London at the London Podcast Festival. Cannot wait to see all of our
0: listeners there before they Brexit into whatever other dimension they're going to. That'll be fun. If you'd like to submit a case to Judge John Hodgman, you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. If you want to email us, it's Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. Our engineers this week were Joel Mann at WERU in Blue Hill, Maine, and Christian Duenas at Maximum Fun. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Thanks for listening to the blind justice of Judge John Hodgman. Happy birthday, Michelle, Joel's wife.
1: His birthday it was yesterday. And goodbye to all of my friends in Maine. See you next time. MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.